Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly movie podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic, joined by Ann Thompson, our editor at large. And Ann, wow, we made it through the Oscars. This is our first and only post-Oscars discussion of 2021, hopefully. We'll see how the next few weeks go, but we did get to the other. The thing about the craziness of this year is that there were, there were a lot of great movies to talk about, but it did sometimes feel like it was never going to end. How well, and we were just flogging a dead horse, you know, I mean, you know, uh, one thing we should talk about is, is that the one place that seemed interested in the Oscars was IndieWire. <laughs> our readers were, were mean, eating up all of our stories, everything we were doing. I mean, it, what is our job? Our job is actually to reach our readers. And if, if that's in, in that regard, uh, you know, I think we did OK. I, I commend and admire and respect uh, my whole our whole team. I mean, it's, it's it shouldn't come a as a surprise that that people who are serious about movies cared about an award season that had filmmakers like Chloe Zhao and Thomas Vinterberg and David Fincher in the conversation and giving us reasons to talk about their their filmmaking style and sensibilities and how it related to the wider culture. I mean, Oscars as a portal to these bigger ideas about art and society are what keep this job interesting. It's not the statues it's, alone. It's about, I it's, couldn't agree more. It's, and it's, it's about it's talking. It, it, what the Oscars give us is, is besides a rooting interest, but it gives us an opportunity to talk to some of these very gifted people. And I, I, I really enjoy that. And it, and it can, never gets old for me. Even to, if you can't party down. with them. <laughs> no, I miss that. I even got invited to one last night that I just couldn't go to something very small, but I, I, I couldn't. I, it just took me a while to sort of parse and sort through everything that happened last night. Because honestly, Eric, I was watching the Oscars all day long. It started at 10 a.m. There was all this red carpet stuff. There was a pre-show that a lot of people didn't even know about. There were five songs on the pre-show, Infall, that a lot of people didn't know about that Which were I think was a mistake, sacrificed right? yeah. from the Oscars themselves. And uh, I, I actually enjoyed that part of it more in some ways than the Oscars themselves. Well, so let's get into it because there's so much to dig through. And I think first and foremost, we should look at the Oscars themselves and whether or not it meshed with the kind of vague expectations we had with Soderbergh sort of teasing a, a, a Oscar ceremony as a movie, a celebration of story, all this kind of stuff. Certainly when we got this cinematic aspect ratio and a long shot of the Regina tracking King. shot with Regina yeah. King uh, into like Union Station was great. That, that was, was fun. Cool. It was a great concept off of that in the sense no. that I was thinking, are we going to get some sort of actual narrative arc and that's where it really came up short is that at the end of the day, you did feel that tension between someone trying to innovate. And at the end of the day, this was just an Oscar show in a pandemic year and very difficult to make that. But he cut off, he, he kind of cut off his own legs. And, and I am giving Soderbergh uh, responsibility, even though the, the, the director was Glenn Weiss and, and Stacey Scher was very much involved in the, in the parts of the show that worked, which were the exterior courtyards and the pre-show and the after show. And, and, and the, uh, and Glenn, Glenn Collins was very much involved with, with the pre-show and the musical performances. He was a Grammy producer. So uh, Soderbergh, in, in the interviews that we did, you know, the press conferences we covered, he was totally responsible for the big show. And, and it was his concept that it be the movie. And the movie didn't work. 
it was a lot of talking. There weren't any clips. He got he 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 took away the pizzazz, the scale, and and maybe he had to because it was the pandemic, and this was what he was forced to you know make a silk purse out of a sow's ear if he could, and maybe he couldn't. But um, I think that he didn't necessarily. Uh, our our critic Ben Travers, I was harsh on the show. I, I give the the producers a lot more slack um, than he does. He, but but he's right about one thing. They failed to remember that this was a TV show. Yeah, it, it, you felt that tension between trying to do something kind of bold and cinematic, and then at the same time realizing you do need to move it along in a way that is engaging, and also recognizing this is live TV with uncontrollable variables in the audience, and you just cannot build something around that. I mean, the the lack of clips for the first half of the show was very strange because it led to these sort of Jeopardy-like moments where I they know. would sort of tell you the backstory of everyone, which, look, they, we've Why been do we telling that listen backstory. To that? We've yes. heard that for months and months. I know, tell me from. about it. Yeah, show the sushi, the the sushi uh, company in Vermont. For, that was great. For, uh, I mean, good for yeah. Darius Martyr to have that out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's ready to move on from that, that backstory. But yeah, I mean, I, I see the ingenuity on some or the, the impulse to, to innovate, but it's almost like it's from somebody who's watched too many Oscar shows and not realizing that other people actually want to watch the Oscars. And so that, I was that surprised is- at how much I, I mean, and, and then the shuffling of the order, which was yeah. a huge so let's decision. Get, we got we to talk about that because we we had to run a show, so we kind of knew it was coming, but it was a dramatic choice. I mean, I, I was thinking about how in New York Film Critics Circle, we, we decided always to vote on Best Picture first. Because when you know best picture, then it informs choices in other categories. That's and everybody knew Nomadland was going to win. Right? That was not yeah. a surprise. So they took but, the two high stakes acting categories and put them at the end because they thought that they would be dramatic. And they put what I don't understand is why do you take one category? Even if you just go with that concept, which I disagree with, it should end on best picture. But so, and then Chloe Zhao should have been, you know, having her moment. But and Frances McDormand, you know, but but the point was they had two actresses in the room and they put that before Best Actor where they had two actors with the possibility of not being there, with the yes. certainty of not being there because Anthony Hopkins, his reps begged the Academy to give him a Zoom call so that he, if he won, he could accept because he didn't want to schlep to London or, or Dublin or, or Ireland or wherever they were offering him a hub. And he, it was at 83 years old, well within his rights. So why do you take a chance that well, it's not Bozeman? Why do you take that chance? And, it, and if it was Bozeman, then obviously you don't have that actor, but you have your emotional ending. And that's the other part of this gamble that's worth looking at. It's, it, obviously, there was a lot of outrage and puzzlement over that snub and the way that things ended. But the reality is, it's not like that just came out of left field. OK, when we spoke last week, it I was knew it was a toss up. Right. Yes, that, that, that really could have happened because of BAFTA, because of the, the support that movie had. The momentum was with Hopkins. There's no question about it. Right. So this is a classic example of how a certain kind of Oscar season narrative, which let's be honest, on our own kind of prognostication, we thought it was going Chadwick's way. But it, when that narrative solidifies so early on, it can be very difficult to actually see specifically what's happening. And it's, it's just sort of shocking that even the producers themselves 
might have fallen prey to that kind of process where the prognostication starts to determine the way that the the Oscars plan this the show is just it's just so there's strange. you know the, the it just reminds me I mean I I I welcomed and I was excited about the show I was hoping that they could reinvent it in a good way but what it kind of reminds you People are complaining today that the in memoriam section was rushed. People are complaining today that they put the one comedy bit in the whole show right at the moment of most tension about all the big categories coming up. And everybody's raring to go. The people in the room, you could see them sort of cringing <laughs> that, this, that they had to be like Aaron Sorkin wants to watch Glenn Close dancing to the butt, you know, in, in the middle of a show uh, when his own uh, movie is, is about to, to be revealed as a loser um you know he does the trial of the chicago seven won nothing but he was hoping it was going to win best picture yeah, and it was, and it was, it was the wrong strange. thing to do at the wrong it's, time I was, someone was interviewing me earlier today about the show and was asking about the whole hostless oscars thing and what was fascinating in that moment is you saw okay so little Ro howry pops in and he's sort of like a mini host it's like he did well, very well he actually had a host if he had been there the whole time, he would have been great. Like Questlove have more of a role, or so, somebody yes, who yes. was on camera to be to sort Regina of could have along. done it. Yeah, Regina was the best one there. You could have. What had she had to do like in that, that first shot was very tricky. She had to yeah. do that live. Yeah, and it was it's great for her brand. You know, she pops up in a commercial later on. It like just makes her super ubiquitous. So that 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 is something that we see as it's still an open question. Is maybe whatever this show continues to be does actually benefit in some ways from having a singular persona guided along as opposed to a camera and a lot of trickery involving angles and rooms and so forth. So interesting challenge there. To I welcomed the return of the red carpet and the fashion and the party vibe at, at the exterior courtyard. And I wanted and to PSA be there so badly. That I did. Was nice too. There was a, there was a, a nice yeah. montage at the beginning about, but a lot of people didn't see that. A lot of yeah. people didn't. So it well, ended up being Francis McDormand who had to do the job of exhorting people to go back to theaters leave it to francis if it's not inclusion writers it's some other cause that the industry needs her to bring to or bring she's howling at the moon in honor yeah. of a lost well, comrade too and you know it was a nice sort of moment all, all things considered i mean we i i will say in spite of all this stuff i did enjoy a lot of stuff that happened over the course of this show and so oh yeah no i mean kaluuya with his mom in london was very sweet you it know was a really powerful speech and funny and then you have vinterberg obviously telling very the same powerful story he's told but in a way that i think really just worked i mean he he got the beats of that down he got all the thank yous out of the way and then circled back they didn't play people off so for better or for worse, I approved of that, too. Speeches. I'm glad that they had the speeches. I thought that was a smart move on Soderbergh's part. Very I've, interesting I've, to see. An awesome the music was that. off as much as I love Quest Love. It, there were a lot of moments where I felt like the music was was a little strange. You know, he DJs like five times a night. That was just another gig for that guy. So let's talk about another interesting category, though, that was perhaps not as shocking a snub in terms of overall reaction. But certainly if you were trying to guess the Oscars. A lot of people got this one wrong, and that's cinematography. Me too. I got it Not wrong. Not go to Nomadland, and Netflix did pretty well in those crafts. Seven, seven awards altogether. Two for Ma Rainey, which we expected, um, and, and two for, for uh, the big uh, leader, uh, Mank. So they got cinematography and Not production Not shut out design. like Irishman last year, as, as mm -hmm. we had thought maybe was possible do you think that's because people if you have a an exquisite black and white movie 
it's just automatically because it's so memorable as that ahead of the pack because there is something that worked said for Quaron and the artist. Yeah. Yep. I mean, there's something there's something there that I think is worth internalizing. And it was the ASC winner that won. So in that case, the guild did call it. But I just I just uh, I think I think what the thinking was. And if you if you want to look at it and in other words, McDormand had enough support to win Best Actress in order for Nomadland to be the strong contender that it was for director and best picture, it needed to win at least one more. So we all thought it was cinematography and it wasn't, it was yeah. dormant. But when exactly, because when cinematography happened, a lot of us, and I know you and I and others were, were sort of getting Uh-oh. nervous about it. What yeah. Cause then you get to editing and we already knew that probably wasn't going to Nomadland. No. No. So if it went to trial, then we might be on track for that, that trial upset that some people had been guessing. Which it, it didn't. Doesn't. So at that point we kind of knew that trial wasn't going to win best picture because it's very rare. It happens that we were doing the math on how many movies have won best picture with only one other Oscar. They do exist but it's rare. Yeah. You need support. So, so McDormand was the powerful uh, major category that told us what was happening there. Although it did tell us what was happening there after best picture was. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. There's just, it was just wrong. But, but the thing about that was, this was the category everybody had a different opinion about. This was the one where no matter what happened, a lot of people were going to be wrong. Some people, I, right. I said Carrie Mulligan, you said Viola Davis. Neither of us were right there. A few people did call it for Frances McDormand, but it was, it was fascinating to think about. Partly because wow. of her BAFTA win. But remember, I mean, my argument was that she won. We should have been paying more attention to BAFTA. It turns out that this international vote that I've been talking about all this time, this 22% of the Academy, this you know, the membership drives that have increased all kinds of categories over the uh, past five years, the European slash international vote was very key to Nomadland, the Father, which won two, it also won adapted screenplay, um, okay. and, and over Nomadland, yeah. and uh, and 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 Anthony Hopkins and and Minari. There were sun, there were a lot of Sundance movies that did well. Include these were all Sundance movies. Um, plus, uh, Sound of Metal, Promising Young Woman got in there from Sundance with one, yeah. <laughs> the Emerald Fennell win. Yeah, that was but, nice and early. It's so, a it's a thing. It's a thing we have to keep in mind. Um, even be, even my octopus teacher was a big uh, a big win uh, from from uh, South Africa. It's a very yeah. international body and a lot of British members. Yep, seven hundred or so. That's a big number. Pretty significant. So so this 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 happened. I mean, with McDormand winning three Oscars, she is in rarefied company and doesn't even seem to try that hard to make it happen so it is quite extraordinary that that especially this year in that category well part of the narrative there was that she found the book she found chloe zhao she developed the script with her she won and 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 that's uh that's part of the story that she had the sense and 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 at backstage uh in the um digital media room the virtual media room which we've become all too familiar with and I hate them. 
uh, everybody's, you know, mute isn't working. You know what I mean? But anyway, she, <laughs> she actually made a point, Zhao, of, of commending um, McDormand and saying that people didn't realize how hard this really was for her and how vulnerable and exposed um, and sensitive and sort of naked she had to be. And, I mean, to fool everyone to th- into thinking that she was one of them. Yeah. And that and and that's a story, obviously, that we've heard many times over. But the kind of commitment that it entails—I mean, it is sort of like the Daniel Day Lewis thing, right? It's we we've heard people say that method acting is this very like male macho thing, but clearly McDormand is sort of the kind of the example of someone who you know a woman who has managed to basically become the role that she plays in a completely immersive way that just is, is so remarkable to, to look at. I mean, it and hard to imagine, like hard to imagine other people. You could imagine Daniel day Lewis doing what she did actually. I mean, you're well, right. Maybe you he's got to come out of but it's, retirement. But, but it's uh, it's hard to imagine very many people putting that level yeah. of commitment into it. And integrity really is the word. Now we should touch on another issue that's come up here which is you had two older white actors win the major the leading acting categories so where does this leave us in terms of the academy pushing back five years plus on from oscars so white against this narrative that it only rewards white people and it shunts the the people i don't think that's supporting I'm not going to go there. I, uh, they had the highest number of people of color ever, nine out of all the acting co- categories. There was a chance that with if Bozeman and, and Davis had won, that they would have all four for the first time people of color winning the acting categories. They ended up with two. And I think that Hopkins and McDormand won fair and square and deserved to win. I have no issues with that. I think Bozeman peaked early. If the Academy hadn't been awards hadn't been two months late, Bozeman would have won and Davis probably. So So she won SAG. So it was very close. It was very close. I think what you're hitting on is an important point to to remind people too, which is that getting, it's not just, it's an honor to get nominated. Getting nominated means that you have some support from the Academy. Absolutely. And it can go so many different kinds of ways. It's not an excuse necessarily. I mean, it would be nice to see all those categories just completely, exclusively people of color and, and hopefully the industry is heading in that direction. But bottom line is it was going to be one person and that you can't, nobody can fully control the way that these things play out. It's a very amorphous process. So maybe unfortunate on a cultural level, but, but it's ultimately, I don't think a, you can't pin it down to a single. No, narrative. but I mean, you had so many different records being broken. I mean, Zhao was the second woman to win best director, which is a sad statistic. She was the first uh, woman of color to win that award. Uh, the first Chinese woman to win that award. And um, Ye Jung Yoon was the first Korean woman to win her category. And and the second Asian woman to win that category since Sayonara in 1958. So it's, it's uh, you know, the, the, there's progress being made here. All right. So speaking of progress and where we need to have further discussions of it happening, let's turn to the octopus in the room, because whoever the hell sent me that octopus emoji the day that this movie was nominated did it again last night twice uh so somebody was having a good time and clearly this was a a a real surprise arc of sorts that was expected to happen 
in the days and weeks leading up to the show, but certainly not not early six on or seven months ago. You and I talked about it. We talked. I remember looking it up on Metacritic and realizing with some surprise that there were like three reviews on there. Yeah. And and I, I talked it. to Netflix about it. They didn't put it in their slot, their slate of documentaries. Of they were rooting for Krupp, Krupp Camp and and for um, the Kristen Johnson. Uh, Dick Johnson is dead. They 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 definitely were, were hoping to deliver for the Obama. Right. Yeah, it's you a know, higher ground project. Exactly. So so uh, Crip Camp. So so that was a that was a, a whole I mean, and I predicted Crip Camp right out of Sundance. It won the IDA. It would have been the Oscar winner if if it weren't for my octopus teacher. It was the pandemic. And it was a movie that just hit people right between the ribs. They just couldn't love it enough. It made them just go loose and goose over uh. this movie. But, you know, somebody described it to me the other day as an Apple screensaver, which I think kind of kind of nails it for me. It's just I felt like there was no there there in this movie, especially in a category that was populated with so much more depth across the, the other board. four movies are better than my octopus teacher as movies in terms of what you and I look at your critic, what we look at in terms of quality uh, and integrity and and all of that. What I do recognize is that the people who made the movie knew they had something and they worked and worked and worked and brought in lots of other people who could help them, including Netflix, to uh, shape this narrative. Yes, it was a bunch of footage from the bottom of the ocean of this guy, you know, making out with an octopus, but they shaped it into a movie that worked with the public and you have to give them credit for making a movie that worked emotionally for people. I'm not in the business of going after people for whatever it is they, they, they do necessarily. It, it wasn't, it wasn't like they did something immoral, but I do think from a cultural standpoint, it's, it's one of the, it's one of the more frustrating moments for nonfiction film in this country in recent memory that you would have such a striking range of cinema on display some of the best movies of last year period from time to collective to the mullage and even crip camp is was a real crowd pleaser and, and that somehow something got in there that just screwed up that balance and uh, and it's just I think there there's something that the documentary branch is probably going to be talking about with its members of, about how that happened and it, it's not as um, Eric, you know, it's, it's not, not a like mystery. It's, it's not, not like a, a category mystery how us, that but happened. But it's but it's a they liked it better. That's how it happened. I, I know why it happened. But what I'm saying is, it's not like they can it fix happen. it. They can't fix it, Eric. If that were to happen again, it would happen well, it again. It could happen again because now it's really just a question of what's going to pop up randomly in some streamer's library that has that same sort of impact. It, it, it does feel like a, it could be a paradigm shift in terms of the kinds of movies yeah. that can float up to the Oscar conversation. Tell I, me I, 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 this is interesting, Eric, because it, this is the definition of a sleeper. This is the definition of a movie that got where it got without Sleepy. the help of the critics, without <laughs> the help that. of film festivals, without even the help of its own distributor. Yeah. It happened all by itself because people loved it so much. Why does that bother you? Why, do, why doesn't that happen to, to other kinds of movies? Your movie, the movies that, that were, uh, by my measure, way better than My Octopus Teacher, which is too ma manipulative, too anthropomorphizing. You know what I'm saying. It, 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 it casts all sorts of emotions and motivations onto this 
sea creature that probably didn't exist. It's, it's you know? the shape of water as a two-hander, apparently. It's 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 really really uh, effective, and and it cannot be denied. Uh, but is it a great documentary? No. Okay, so now we don't have to talk about it again unless they create a franchise or something. So no, this was a front. this was a this was a you know a rarity. I mean, it's it's never going to happen again. So. And it was partly the pandemic as well, because remember, most of the time we're all being told how much. Um, we're ruining the planet, how we're responsible in our daily lives for cruelly destroying animal life and, and, and ruining everything as we know it. I mean, we're on the verge of destruction. And here's this movie <laughs> that's about a man falling in love with an alien sea creature uh, in a pure, very uh, emotional way. And and if if he can reach, you know, like the guy said at the Oscars, one of the co-directors, you know, if a man can 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 create a relationship like that with an octopus, what else can we do? There, that, that's not a terrible message. I don't know. There's a lot of ways you can read into that one. And we, we would have to devote a whole other podcast to pulling it apart. So that happened. It was probably written by someone in the PR department at Netflix. Honestly, good to have Netflix in your Chris corner. Tabley. I think it was you. <laughs> give, give whoever credit you want to. In any case, the rating sucked. It was the lowest in, in recent memory. We got 9.8 million. 58% drop from previous year. Which expected, is in line with the other shows. But just bad. for context, 2014, 43.7 million. And it's been going down steadily in very small increments. So that last year it was 23.6. And uh, the year, each year that there's a big blockbuster in, in the mix, it, it, it sometimes pops back up. Uh, but in this case, no blockbusters in sight. And it went from 23.6 off a cliff to 9.8. I mean, we all knew that we were heading in this direction anecdotally. I mean, I certainly sure. had conversations with people who said, wait, I thought the Oscars already happened or aren't they next weekend or what movies are nominated and all that kind of stuff. So I think we're all just kind of eager at this point to get this behind us. You know, the, the show didn't necessarily do what we wanted to do. Some some of the awards worked out great. I'm certainly happy about Nomadland and, and the way that that movie ended up being celebrated in that fashion. I am eager to move into a slightly less restrictive reality that seems like it could be right around the corner. You and I are already planning to go to Cannes, fingers crossed. It seems like we're on that trajectory. So that's promising. It looks like maybe Americans can go into France starting in May, vaccinated Americans. And, and we're hearing rumblings of a lineup coming together. So soon we'll have- I'm hearing it's not, it's not necessarily secure though. It's a real open question, isn't it? No, we, I'm we hearing there's go. people who are in and out in terms of participating. Yeah, and it, we want to go and we want to see festivals in general kind of return to being these culturally influential aspects of what we do. But it's a real open question of, of exactly how they're going to pull it off. What's, what's interesting is that we're just getting a lot of news that sounds different from the kind of news we had before. And with Cannes gearing up to go into July, that means we have a very busy festival corridor starting in the summer 
would no i think we're gonna start in new york and so forth so pro we're gonna see pre more pictures i I'm, I'm excited i got invited to a screening of in the heights i i it's can't happening. wait to see it yeah there's real movies around the corner but first you're gonna take a break no movies nothing work related don't think about the awards. Don't even think <laughs> about what might be awards potential. And we'll see how that goes. But now look, I have to do Emmys next. <laughs> you get to, you don't have to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'll, I'll be watching and paying attention to certain things. I've seen a few things I'm eager to, to throw my voice into the conversation about. But sure, I mean, look, it's always going to be a process for us to figure out when award season ebbs and flows but uh this was certainly a, a unique ride and i enjoyed being on it with you and so i hope you get a chance to rest up because we got work to do after all this stuff absolutely so, see you later right. eric enjoy america we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights life liberty and the pursuit of happiness Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.